Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. This is Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you very much for listening to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Ana Maria Rosales. Ana Maria Rosales spent her formative years playing bass in bands in her native El Paso, Texas, worked her way into a gig touring internationally, and spent three years on the road in Europe and both North and South America. Bonafides like those would be enough to constitute a pretty solid career as a performer and make a body homesick. But by 2006, Rosales found herself back in El Paso with a palpable sense of oft-trod hometown grass growing under her feet. When she got word of an audition for a gig in Los Angeles, Rosales packed up her bass and her suitcase and bought a ticket on an overnight train headed west. During the audition, she executed a classic case of tactical omission. She never told the band leader that she didn't live in L.A., figuring that she'd cross that bridge if she got the job. She got the gig, solved the new problem by putting down roots in California, and immersed herself in the music scene of her new hometown. While playing all those gigs on bass, Rosales' strong backup vocals prompted many people to encourage her to step up to the mic and release an album under her own name, and her new record, Washed Up On Your Shore, finally puts her front and center. Years of paying dues on stages in L.A. and around the world allowed her to get top-notch players to contribute to the record, and they provide the perfect setting to showcase her pleasing and earthy alto. But it was the tragedy of losing her sister to breast cancer in 2013 that gives the album gravitas by leaving a giant hole in her life that Rosales could only begin to fill with the healing power of music. Welcome to Independence Day, Ana Maria Rosales. Hey, Ana. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. It's fantastic to have a lady. <laughs> On the show. <laughs> you use the term loosely. I know. <laughs> a lady with a capital L. No, in all seriousness, because you're, I mean, you're like all up in the music business, and you have been for a very long time. And I thought maybe the first thing we could kind of chat about a little bit was there's got to be, how, I mean, how much of your life have you spent where you're the only chick in the band? Oh, most of it. <laughs> Since I've been playing, um, there was a short, there were two short stints. Uh, one was an all-female band. And then the um, other was an all-female backing band for a solo yeah. uh, male artist. Yeah. But for the most part, it's always been me and the guys. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's a thing. Because the thing is, you know, we like to think we live in like this some kind of post-sexism, post-racism world. But I don't think we do. Like we, well, I think we've come a long way. Definitely. I mean, and it just depends on where you're coming from. If you're coming from an urban city you're going to see a lot more female musicians than when you when I was starting to play in El Paso, Texas, it was an anomaly. I mean, yeah. I, I felt like, you know, the 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 sideshow act because it was so new and so weird and so different and right. there, you know, I was playing in a cover band and there were people and they were getting drunk and it was they were, you know, it was like, "Oh, you got a chick in the band. That's yeah, really yeah. cool." <laughs> yeah, well, like the thing, it's like that's the thing, and like we in the business we use there's like there's like the the names that we use like Chick Singer, right? Or you know, like your band has a band, whether it's the Chick Singer front singer woman, or whether it's like two background Chick Singers. Like, it's not really meant to be. At least for me, it's not meant to be a derogatory term. But you hear it so much. You know, like, are there chicks in the band? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, it's funny. It like last week or two weeks ago. I was rehearsing with the band out, um, you know, in Culver City, and 
met up with some guy who was taking a break and um, came up to us and started uh, like assuming the roles that we were in the band. So he like looked at the drummer and said, well, you're the guitar player. And then looked at, uh, it was Dan's band. So Dan Janish and, you know, looked at Dan and said, well, you're the drummer. And then looked at me, of course, and said, well, you're the chick singer. Right. (laughs) It's like, yeah. there was nothing. We were standing, we were all standing outside, yeah. had no idea. Well, people make all kinds of assumptions about who's who in the band, because even in 2015 now, you know, I, th- I think it's more integrated than it's ever been before. You know, we all, there were always a few, like, it seems like there was like Heart, which kind of felt like a chick band with some dudes in it. And then there was like Fleetwood Mac, which was mixed. And they, to me, like, they were always the biggest band to be mixed, you know, gender between the two. Yeah. Well, that and ABBA. <laughs> and ABBA. Yeah, ABBA, I guess. You know, uh, Swedish import. The greatest Swedish band. We were talking about the greatest American band yeah, before. Yeah, the greatest Swedish did you, band. Did we get your vote for the greatest American band? I was Tommy James and the Shondells. Tommy James and the Shondells. Yeah. Rich, your husband, said it was Los Lobos, I think, was his his thing. But I CCR <laughs> is what I think. Anyway, I'm talking with Ana Maria Rosales, Los Angeles-based, uh, I guess I would call you a singer-songwriter, but you don't write a ton, right? You write some? Well, for the album, um, it didn't come to pass that uh, at the time that we were doing the album that there was a lot of time for writing. It was just kind of this idea um, to put it out. And I had started to record some of Rich's songs, and then he had a trip out to Nashville and just came back with this boatload of songs. And um, and there is a song that I helped co-write on the album now, but it was just the songs were so good, and it was it was uh, you know we really wanted to record, and we were, every the fire was on, and it was like let's do yeah, it, yeah. and they I, they were impossible to turn down. They were so yeah. good, and um, you know I was able to sing them really well, and felt like yes, this is and took really tried to take ownership of it, even though yeah. I wasn't writing them per se. Yeah, well when we come back I want to play a cut from this right away so people can get a taste of what you're all about. But when we come back I want to talk about kind of the difference between being uh, an interpreter of your own songs and then interpreter of someone else's songs because people have built storied careers on being interpreters Mm -hmm. of other people's songs without really ever being renowned for writing, like Joe Cocker comes to mind. Linda or Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt. Uh, Emmy Lou um, Harris. Emmy Lou Harris. Yeah. But although she's a solid writer, though. Well, she's, she's a solid writer, but she she right. has spent a lot of time in the tutelage, under, uh, you know, under a tutelage of people just right. really learning the craft. I mean, you it's know, about Graham learning. and Neil Young yeah. and all those great folks. And, you know, so many people, you know, men and women, are, are known for that kind of thing. But And some do, do kind of both. Buddy Miller comes to mind. Oh, yeah. I love Buddy. Yeah. And I think he's equally good at both because he's a writer, great writer, with his wife Julie. And but then he he does he brings so many songs like into the spotlight that people wouldn't have heard, mm-hmm. you know, because he's Buddy Miller and he's revered in certain circles. Anyway, my guest tonight, Ana Maria Rosales. This is a track from her most recent record, which is also your only solo record under your name. Yes, right. It's called "Washed Up on Your Shore." The track we have picked is called "Burn a Hole in the Sky." Ana Maria Rosales on Independence Day. Looking around, wondering where the hell I am Look in the mirror and say, who was that man? I was a dreamer with a restless soul Wind in my hair in the wide open road Feel like a zombie, I'm so tuned out Gonna waste away Something now I'm sick of wasting my time 
here's a little cane Six pack of ZZ Top cranked up all the way I was a lover, fearless and free Let that man and his thrills get the best of me Am I crazy or just playing around? I get the feeling I'm not the only one I'm sick of wasting my time I spent too long just getting by There's got to be something more to life before I die Burn a hole in the Rosales on Independence Day. Very, very nice, Anna. That's good stuff. Oh, thank you. Sounds fantastic. You. And you can learn about her. Drop by her website, AnnaMariaRosalesMusic.com, Facebook.com slash AnnaMariaRosalesMusic. She hates Twitter, she told me. Uh, no, not that I hate Twitter. <laughs> I just can't, I don't have enough to say. I don't have enough stuff to I know, say. I'm just baiting you. Twitty, twitty. Tweety? Tweety full. <laughs> yeah. In any case, so before we were talking a little about interpretation of like, you know, being a, a songwriter or someone, or Van Morrison also comes to mind as someone who is kind of an interpreter and also a great writer. Like, how do you approach the two differently? You know, because when you, when you write the words, you, it comes from, I feel like it comes from a different place. It's almost like when you're interpreting, you're kind of like being an actor to a certain extent. Well, I think it, um, in both, in both realms, it is still interpretation in both realms. Like, if you're getting an inspiration for a song, it's like having to filter that through song, lyrics. Um, but when you're doing somebody else's song, it's how you take ownership of it and how you really bring that to your own realm of experience. Right. I mean, you couldn't really sing. I mean, you can do a convincing job of singing about something you've really never experienced. But if you can kind of meld that into what's happening with you, it really comes off a, a little bit more authentic or a little bit more um, accessible to people. I think people can really tell when you're singing about something that's really meaningful to you and when it's not. Um, right. uh, you know, the, the way that I go about it is, you know, really the the whole taking the whole song in total and then kind of breaking it down into uh you know w w how am i feeling about it and when rich came with these songs you know a, a lot of them they were just 
so moving and the words were great and the music was there. And you know, there were a couple of tweaks that had to be made, but for the most part, it was like just being able to envelope, you know, kind of surround them and just right. kind of hold them and say, yeah, these are mine. And really like kind of get them in, into my system. Right. So you're looking for common ground when yeah. you approach a song, something you can relate to in your life that's in that song. Mo- yeah, mostly. That was, I mean, so you can sing about stuff that's not part of your experience. Right. I don't say it's not possible, but right. it, it's, it makes it a little bit more personal when you can. Yeah, it's like the artistic license thing. You know, when you hear the Stones singing about being in a basement room with a needle and spoon, you know they've probably done that. <laughs> or Steve Earle. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when Steve Earle sings about, you know, bad characters, you know, or, you know, drugs or being in jail. He's been in jail. Yeah. You know, he yeah. knows what it's like to have food slopped onto your metal tray. You know, he knows these things and it comes through in the music. But Johnny Cash never did. But Johnny Cash never did. <laughs> and he really sold the hell out of that. And he sold it. And that's <laughs> then that's the thing. Like it's is it is, you know, you're I feel like musicians, artists have a uh, what I call an overdeveloped sense of empathy, which I think is a is a actually it's, an asset for them because they they feel what other people are going through on a deeper level or a different level than other people do. I, I and I th- I I agree with you and I know there's um some people in my life who are musicians and it is it is a completely overdeveloped sense of empathy yeah. and uh, you know it, to the point where it's kind of gets in their way you know right. they feel so much and it's right, right, and it's right. nice to be a around people that feel so much, but it also can get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, you have to learn, I think, as an artist, I mean, I think everybody has to learn this, but an artist, for artists, it's different. I guess. You have to learn how to get out of your own way. Yeah. You know, because we have our own, like, uh, this has come up a lot on the show lately. I call it the use, uh, Jonathan Brooke, singer-songwriter from Boston, calls it the you suck demon. <laughs> yeah. It's like always Stop on your shoulder. you suck. It's like, you suck. You Stop suck. writing, you Stop suck. Stop writing, you that suck. And even people, sucks. even people who are amazing, you know, they go through this their whole lives. I mean, you know, we were talking about this as we were setting up, like Kurt Cobain, you know, com- committed suicide. And he was good at what he did, whether you like him or not. He was amazing at what he did. And, I, and they killed him. Yeah. The you suck demon was so powerful that it took his life. Well, you could almost like make a Venn diagram of like inspiration and then like the the you suck demon. And right right in the middle is where you kind of find your little peaceful place of, uh, you know, in between that inspiration, that total fear of failure or fear 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 of of not succeeding right and then you and then you just have this little teeny tiny spot fear is a motivating factor too <laughs> and that's the thing you know like i mean I, I grew up in a catholic tradition where like oh, guilt me too. like the main motivating factor for anything was guilt mm-hmm. like, like do this or you're going to hell or you'll have to say twenty thousand hail marys or whatever you know is that it was that that sh- that uh, mutually assured destruction of guilt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school. Oh, my Lord. Well, actually, I went to the school from when I was in third grade to graduation. Wow. So We, oh, my God. I, I, want, I want you to play a song, like a live sure. song. Yeah, you've got uh, Rich McCulley, uh, Los Angeles musician, also well-known to you. Uh, he's going to uh, accompany you here in just a minute, but I've got to touch on this all-girls Catholic high school thing. There was one in our hometown, and we played a couple, like, sock hop, like, informal dances there with my <laughs> high school band which was just after high school at this point. I mean, and my bass player was way into Kiss. So, you know, this was the late 80s, so everybody had to have a solo. You know, like their solo section during the night, like the drum solo, (laughs) each guitar player got a solo, the bass player got a solo. And uh, 
for his, he wanted to spit blood. He actually bought... <laughs> he bought yes! These, he bought these blood capsules. You know, there was no internet, so he found somewhere, like some costume shop or something, where he got fake blood capsules. They were like capsules. In, a, in, a, yeah. in a white cap, yeah. like a gel capsule. In a little capsule. I remember those. For movies, so that you would chomp down on them, and then your blood would come because <laughs> that was a Gene Simmons thing, and he idolized. He idolized Gene Simmons. And at first, I kind of fought. I was like, dude, you can't do that. We're at an all-girl playing a show at... Rosary High School, they're going to lose their business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're going to kick us out. You know, so, but then finally, you know, he was so persistent. And I was like, all right, fine, fine. If you stop, I'll let you do it if you stop talking about it. I don't want to hear about this anymore. So, sure enough, here comes his bass solo <laughs> with his black Mickey Mouse t shirt. Read back. We're not changing the names to protect the guilty here. Gets up and spits blood. <laughs> and I'm just imagining the penguins, the nuns at the back of the gymnasium being ash white. <laughs> anyway, I can't. That's, 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 what song were you playing? Well, it was his solo. I have no idea what song he was playing. He's a bass player, man. You know what happens. That's even better. It's like some random song. I think I'm going to spit blood. Well, that's the thing. You know, like this again, this is going to dog on bass players. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the bass, you know, there's that joke like, well, what's when's the bass solo coming? I don't know. It's when I'm at the bar. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Or I'm in the bathroom, whatever. So, but at a high, like, you know, it's all a bunch of screaming chicks. And, <laughs> And I don't know, man. These girls, the suburban Chicago girls, with their like, their hair, the oh, bundles, yeah, the, the high Aquanet, bang the days, Aquanet, the Aquanet man. days, and man, they ate it up. So, <laughs> more power to you, Reed Beck. Congratulations, <laughs> man. So, uh, what's this first song going to be, Anna? Again, you've got Rich here. He's going to play some guitar. You're going to play some mandolin for us. What's this first tune? This first song is called "Lie Me to Sleep." And this is also this is on the new record, right? This is on the new record. All right. Yeah. So this is an acoustic version of this. Anna Maria Rosales, accompanied by Rich McCauley on Independence Day. Still we line up to play your game Just the same When I'm in your arms I'm out of my head I should run far from you But I stay Soft and sweet Take me on your ride again I want to And the next time my phone rings, I swear I won't care All my friends know there's no remedy Who's to blame? 
soft and sweet Take me on your ride again I want to believe Most of me knows You're not the man Who will sweep me off my feet But let's keep the dream for now Joe Armstrong, you are listening to Independence Day. Thank you very much for doing so. I love bringing these artists to you. I'm happy to add Anna Maria Zalas to their rank. Hi, Anna. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Oh no, thank you. As you're, you know, you're busy. You're a mom <laughs> on top of all these sorts of things. I'm a mom. Talk to me about how you know being a parent kind of changed your art because it changes your perspective about everything. But how does it change your art? Well. Um, you know, when I was when I was in my twenties and early thirties, all I thought about was doing music and making music as a career. And then I, you know, got pregnant, and then it wasn't this big, amazing revelation of like, oh, you know, it was mostly just, you know, you could keep doing, you keep doing what you love to do, and if you stop doing the things that you love to do and the things that make you tick then you're shortchanging yourself. And I'm healthier for it. And I remember like my parents as, you know, when they had five kids, God help them, they had five children and they, my parents were big workout people. And so it was, it was, I always remembered that they made time for themselves. Right. And I think it's been a, a very interesting lesson to learn that you have to make that time for yourself and you have to take care of your own self because then you can't, you don't have anything to give to anybody else. Right. So the, the having a child and playing music, it was, you know, when I was younger, I thought it was the end of the world if I had gotten pregnant. Right. And, you know, I was just like, oh, no, never, never. And then when it did happen, it was like, eh, you know, you take it and you make, you find the little niches where you have time to do things and, you know, I love it. I love playing. I love playing with all the people that I play with. And I love this, you know, everybody complains about the scene. I, I love the friends that I have in the scene. And I, I do wish I could go out a little bit more to watch more shows. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, sometimes you're just tired. Um, yeah. And I never thought I would say that because I was one of those people that would just like, you know, five days a week, seven days yeah, a yeah. week. I would just be out. Um, but you know, I, I really appreciate the support from all of the people in the, in, you know, the Americana scene. 
um, who've been, even though you're a little bit distanced away from them, who have been really supportive of everything. And it's just, you know, it's made me prioritize a little bit more. Right. Um, made me really work harder at doing more in less time. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and just, you know, being conscious of a little, doing a little bit every day, like yeah. always being on it. So that's kind of helped me yeah. make the transition. There's a thing, I don't know how it is in your life, but when I'm busier, I get more done anyway. Like if I don't have a lot of deadlines and I don't have a lot of, you know, the hard deadlines, like I've got to get this done by this time. Like I'll just screw off and watch The Wire for the 27th time. Or yeah, it's like a flow. You get the into the flow. Or, so like... like yeah, I think I'll go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> like, I've got some food, but you know, around. they've got that miso and you know that whole wine aisle and stuff. You know, I'll just go hang out at Trader Joe's. They're all. I've been thinking about buying some tape. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, do this. and off you go. You go do something. Next thing you know, it's you know, it's like, well, all right, it's time to go to work, or it's time for bed, or it's next week. <laughs> but when I'm busy, man. I get stuff done. Yeah, we had like in uh, in late January or February, we I had a gig that was booked in at Freight and Salvage in Berkeley, and so it just ended up being a, a whole mini tour. But it was just everything was flowing, and it was it was great. You know, you just you're so busy, and you were playing so many shows, and it and then like one show turned into three shows, and then we were opening for Deke Dickerson, and it was just it was great. And then people were calling and booking gigs, and it's just you get that on those waves, right, of, right, right. And I, I call it flow, like you just keep going through it, and then of course it ebbs out eventually. But then you have to find another flow. Yeah. So what's that Hunter S. Thompson quote? Uh, All energy flows according to the whims of the great magnet. <laughs> yeah. And you got to work with that polarity and go. Yeah. Like when it, when the when the when you well, it's like sail when you've got the wind. I guess it's another way to say it. Yeah, and just like accepting what is there for you. Yeah. And and not crying about what doesn't come to you because it's not yeah. time for it to come to you yet. Let's talk about this in a practical sense. Can we mention his name, your son? Oh, Jarvis. Okay, Jarvis. Okay, well, I just want to make sure it's, it's the media. You know? <laughs> it's a personal thing. Some people don't like their kids being part of the media. Uh, In any case, so Jarvis, he's a good little dude. He turns he just turned four not too long ago. Yeah, he just turned four. And and congratulations, happy Thank birthday you. to Jarvis. And uh, so, just on a practical level, like how do you juggle? Because Rich, you know, the dad, it, you're. How do you balance like the stuff that he's doing musically, the stuff that you're doing musically, the demands that that makes? Like, who's watching him? Like, when you go to do a tour, I guess is the most practical, obvious question. Well, I mean, luckily, when it's a a tour that's up, you know, we went to up the coast, so Rich's parents live in Visalia, and he's more than happy to go and visit with grandma and grandpa. Okay, this will not last. <laughs> I right, realize right. this is this will not last. So, I mean, as it comes, we'll have to kind of judge that he's already asked why we did a whole run up to portland uh two summers ago and i mean we were gone for about four weeks and he came with us okay yeah and we had a couple of nights where the tour the booker had to like help with right child care (laughs) yeah he was we were playing in a hotel and she literally and of all the nights for him to like say that he wanted to go to bed she was totally looking forward to seeing the show and we had set up and sound checked and he was totally cool and then the minute we were about to play he's like i'm tired i want to go to the hotel i want to go back to the room so she couldn't see any of the show okay. but um 
you know, it, you just kind of find your find your way. And yeah. we have a really good calendar. You know, that's whoever, whoever, basically whoever books the show and puts it on the calendar right. gets the day. Okay. So um, Rich is quicker on the trigger th- than I am with that. Yeah. But um, we do have like a shared calendar. So if it's like, you yeah. know, if I get called up for a rehearsal or I get called up for a gig, it's it goes on the calendar immediately. And, you know, and we have, we also have the support of, you know, some friends we have a good babysitter and yeah you know and honestly props and respect with a capital r because i have we've had other artists on this show as well hannah aldridge is a nashville-based singer-songwriter uh she's got a son and it's the same kind of deal a big harp they're like a duo band that's her husband and wife team um they did the same thing they just took their little person on tour with them and hannah kind of does a combination of the two depending on where she's going and i think that's where the respect with the capital r comes in is like this is just your life now and you already had a life. Your life doesn't have to cease to exist and be completely, you know, of course, when they're an infant, yeah, <laughs> you know, your life's revolving around theirs. But, you know, as they get just even a little bit bigger, you just bring them along. They're part of your life too. Not all, you're not all part of their life. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's good. I mean, depending on who you're hanging out with, you know, it's, there's a, a great aspect of seeing outside of their own immediate right environment to go out and to to see things like we took him to the beach that had black sand and he was totally about the black sand and collected rocks and i mean that's something he wouldn't have seen just sitting here or being babysat you know or watched by grandma and grandpa i mean there's there's a joy in having him with his grandparents and relating to them and being with them because you know they're older right but there's also you know a little bit of, um, you know, kind of give him that experience of being outside of the city. And, yeah. you know, we went up to Portland and it was summertime in Portland and there were vegetable gardens and he was eating vegetables that he would yeah. never eat at home. He was eating them completely off of the, you know, the plants and just pulling green beans off the plants and chomping down on them. Yeah. He does not do that here. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's just this thing that kind of opens up and gives him a, a great, um, a great base for basis for experiences that he might not have. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak to my from my own experience, but you know, those we I had uh, my dad's parents lived about six hundred miles away, and every year, at least once a year, we drive down there and spend a couple weeks in this whole other place. And I think that's from my own perspective, at least, that's so important for a little person to see that everything isn't always the way it is in their little home environment. Yeah. The world's a big place. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you're going to be. It also teaches them to be flexible and to, you know, kind of like know that you are responsible for your own emotions and you are responsible for your own reactions. Hey, Jarvis, you're four. You're accountable, man. <laughs> well, you Pull know, Pull up those bootstraps. Get a job, well, just, will but you? There's, there's acknowledgement of, you know, of, I'm disappointed in this. And it's like, yes, right. you know, I see you're disappointed, but it's not going to change things. Yeah. And you, you harumphing around with your arms crossed, you know, it's not going to do anything in life for you except make you a miserable adult. Adults pout too. Yeah. But, but <laughs> what, I mean, what good does it, what right. good comes of it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I get upset. There's a lot of things that I wish I would be invited to play. But you know what? It's not my time. And when they do, when it is the right time and people will... They, then it will come. Yeah. You know, it's just like you could sit and round and pout or you could start making 
phone calls. Yeah. You know, there's a phrase, I'm not much of a tattoo guy, but if I were a tattoo guy, I think I would get the phrase, uh, the universe rewards action. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tattooed backwards on my forehead. So every time <laughs> I look in the, in the mirror, it red. Because I need that reminder. Yeah. Because I think a lot of us do. We, everyone does. I, I tell people all the time, you know, like, uh, and I'm just as guilty of it, probably more so than other people even. Like, there are no booking agents in my living room. No. There are no new fans in my kitchen. There are no, uh, I don't know, record producers. There are no new guitar players to play in my band like in my house. Yeah. They're out there. Everybody else is out there. You got to get out there. And whether yeah. that's virtually through the internet or fi- <laughs> or even better getting out there physically and being at shows and being at rehearsals and going to Trader Joe's and buying tape or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. you're doing. You got to get out among the English and live. Yeah, and and the living is what comes and I I remember being in a band and everybody was so worried about getting signed or Right. you know, m- making their mark on the world. And I was like, you know, if you're joyful about playing this music, then people will know. And then that will that will catapult you into getting what you want. You right. have to be truly happy with what you have and what you where you are yeah. in order for anything to work out for you. Yeah. If you're going to sit and complain about so it. So be happy. So be happy. So just damn do it. it. <laughs> just go be happy. Anyway, how about more music, Anna? What's this next tune going to be? The next tune is called uh, Washed Up on Your Shore. All right. And this is also from the record, right? This is from the record. This is the uh, title track of the record. Very nice title track of the record. Very important. Yes. Records. All right. Well, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your chosen instrument, which is not a normal chick instrument. (laughs) We'll talk about that. Okay. So, but first, Ana Maria Rosales, accompanied by Rich McCulley, another brand new, well, not new tune, newish, right? Newish. Newish, right? Newish tune on Independence Day. This is washed up on your shore. One, two, one, two. Lost at sea for a long time. Giving myself up all the shape that I was in. No strength to speak, I was tongue tied. Had to shed my old life skin Fed me like a baby bird Could not lift my head Gave me your four-poster Made a pallet for your bed Never stopped to wonder Just what was your mercy for I'm lucky that I washed up on your shore Sailing in the direction How I got off course I really don't recall Stranded on a desert island When I thought I'd lost it all Fed me like a baby bird Could not lift my head Gave me your full poster, made a pallet for your bed. Never stopped wondering just what was your mercy for. I'm lucky that I washed up on your shore. In your harbor, I am safely tucked away. You won't find a buried treasure every day. It's a good thing that I washed up on your shore 
Lifted up my head Gave me your four-poster Made a pallet for your bed I don't have to wonder now What your mercy's for I'm lucky that I washed up on your shore I'm not drifting anymore It's a good thing that I washed up on Ana Maria Rosales, accompanied by Rich McCulley here on Independence Day. So happy to have you. So nice to see you. Oh, nice to see you, too. We hadn't seen each other since uh, we had a a backyard float in our pool. You guys did the most unique event. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Like last summer. Did you do do more than one of those, or was that just... We we only did one. We had the idea late in the year, so we we were only able to do one. But we had had... um, Let's let's tell people what it is first. Oh, oh, okay. Go ahead and set it up. So in, in... Outside of Texas, in Texas, where I live, um, outside in the country, they would have these floats, and I'm sure they have it in Austin too, where you basically sit on an inner tube and float down the river yeah. with the mostly with the six pack or an ice right. chest strapped I've to done the that, <laughs> strapped to the to the to the inner tube. So cold, we have man. a pool, and we thought it would be great fun to have our friends just come and float around and invite some folks. It was uh, Dan Janish and Bob Woodruff, and um, and we played in. I think that was it. Who played? Oh, and Duff and Duff Ferguson played, and so we had we invited a bunch of folks over, and they brought food, and people were floating in the pool while the musicians played on the. We have an arbor that was covered, and so um, we set up the PA, and it was so much fun. Yeah. We and Joe makes the hottest chili. But it's delicious. With cheese dip is really yeah, it's yeah, not really queso, chili. queso, queso it's dip, and it was so delicious. And I was so disappointed that I didn't get any today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's early, <laughs> but we're I'm probably going to try to have a season of them this summer. A so. concert series. A let's, concert let's let's call it a concert series. Yeah. No, that's how things get started. And I, I mean, I've done that floating thing in Texas, and it is fun. Although that water is damn cold. Yeah, cause it's because it was about a thousand degrees in Texas yeah. and about a hundred thousand percent humidity. Yeah, you know, that's the, the only the, the hyperbole that you can that is only warranted in Texas in terms of heat and humidity. Yeah, absurd. <laughs> I feel like you're on the surface of Venus, right? Yeah. But that water comes from the bottom of a reservoir somewhere, and it's freezing. And it's freezing. So the contrast between the two feels like you're like burning in lava yeah, when and then you put like your hands in, splashing water on top of yourself. You're like, it's done, not helping. You, that's it's the funny fun. thing. You think it would be refreshing <laughs> on such a hot day, but it is. The, 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 it's so cold. <laughs> That it's it's actually shocking yeah. a little bit. And Monday morning, I used to work in Dallas, and Monday morning you could always tell somebody who fell asleep on the inner tube oh, because yeah. they were completely sunburned. <laughs> right. So the, the float, and I'm using, it's like a noun. You go, It's like almost like a picking in Alabama. Yeah. You go to yeah. a picking. You go to, to a, a float. float. Yeah. And then you, you, but then you also do the verb. You float down the river as exactly. well. Exactly. So you guys did this except just in your backyard. Yeah. And we had had, the year before we had had uh, Amelia White from Nashville and we were trying to accommodate her. Um, she was coming down to play a couple of shows and we had a house concert for her. Right. And that kind of like gave us the idea to bring more music. And I mean, if you have the space and you have the time and people are willing to come, it's it's a great thing. It's different venues to have people play their music yeah. and you know, that's becoming a thing, and I mean, I've got my theory about this, which is that for so long, music was something done like on a stage. You know, there was like a wall, 
you know, Pink Floyd even kind of talked about that a little bit. Like they went big, small, whatever. Like the musicians were there, the rest of us were here. But especially in a town like Los Angeles, where there's everybody in the crowd is also a musician, or most of them, it seems. Yeah. Uh, that that line has been blurred, and people are learning. Then the fact of the internet in here, where everything's been disconnected and it's all potted and earbudded, and we're closed off. And now in LA, you're closed off in your cars anyway. I think people are yearning for something more real. Well, I think as we get older as well, I mean, yeah, our that. community is getting a little bit older, and we're realizing that we are part of a community and more supporting each other as a community. Um, and I don't, I mean, I. I I say this that we're getting older, but there are some young kids that have been doing this as well. You know, they have right. a lot of house parties and, and that's stuff. That's what I mean. Like this real music thing where like the, the house party gigs, this is my research assistant, Dorothy June, coming over <laughs> to say hello. Hi. Hi. She's the best research assistant. She is. Uh, but there, people are yearning for something real and something, something more immediate when I think... You know, it kind of bounces back and forth. There was the whole uh, "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou" kind of thing, which made music a little more organic. But then you had you had like Mumford and Sons kind of thing, and whether you like them or not, but it was more acoustic-ish. Yeah, you know, ba- based uh, loosely based on acoustic. I mean, it was it was they were using acoustic instruments, but yeah. in a more indie kind of. Well, think indie of, folk way. Think about the Decemberists, like the King oh, is yeah. Dead record debuted at number one. Um, you know, and chart sales mean less than they once yeah, did. Yeah, but to have a band like that do that, like out of it seems seemingly out of nowhere, it seems like things have things have kind of changed a little bit, or at least maybe I'd like to think they changed in a good way. I, I think I think they've, it, I, it, like everything, it's so stratified now, right? Between people who are in this sort of genre or that sort of genre, and, and people tend to stick to their little, they keep their stripes on for that particular genre or other. But I mean, in this one, it's nice to see yeah. that people are just kind of wanting to to be closer to the music and yeah. not further away. I mean, it is hard in LA because there's so many clubs, and if you're not playing these certain clubs then you're yeah. not you know you can be considered uh, you can be disregarded very easily yeah 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 and well the internet has made us you know to, to that point from before it's compartmentalized us mm-hmm. because it's allowed you know it's facilitated bands reaching they're finding their audience a little better because you know some i don't know cross-dressing punk rock klezmer band from nebraska can find the like thousand people that are who, fans who love them of that. and will buy their album we'll every their single album. time yeah because you know before you know that wouldn't really happen that way now you can find that audience and it's hard it's not i'm not saying it's easy to do this but it's it's more that's facilitated that but it's also then you know i was reading something just yesterday in one of the music rags about how you know will we ever see mega bands anymore because it used to be a common experience before we were, again, we were talking about setting up, you know, like when The Sound of Music came on TV, the one time a year it came on TV, everybody was home to watch it. Yeah. That was your only shot to see it that year. So, uh, you know, we had to see it when we saw it. And now everything's available all the time. We have the full width and breadth of the human experience in our pockets 24-7. Mm-hmm. 
and it's become too much. Anyway, we never did talk about your instrument, but I want you to play another song when we come back. I promise we'll talk about that. Okay, What's great. this next one? This next one is called Summer Storm. And this is a newer tune, right? This is a newer tune. It's not on the album. You won't find it on the record. And you should pick up that record. Everybody out there, I tell you this all the time, I practically berate people. Buy music. Spend the 10 bucks. A coffee's five. Spend the money. Buy the music. And buy it from the artist directly. Because... Even CD Baby, iTunes, you know, they take their cut. But if you go to an artist and, you know, and a lot of times an artist will just cut you a deal. Like, hey, I've got, you know, the record's 15. I've got 10 right now. And they'll just be like, take the money. <laughs> Here's the album. Go listen. Here's two. For, you know, I used to, we used to joke. It was, uh, it was one for 10, two for 20. Yeah. You're like, what a deal. <laughs> what a deal. Just buy the music. In any case. All right. So this is a relatively new song, Ana Maria Rosales, here on Independence Day.
once again, Ana Maria Rosales, and uh, accompanied by Rich McCulley. You can learn about her music at anamariarosalesmusic.com. Also, facebook.com slash anamariarosalesmusic. And you've got some videos up there. You've got some songs up there. You can buy the record, which I was just berating everyone about before. <laughs> um, so let's do this. I want to talk about your instrumentation just a little bit, because that's something that's kind of unique, and I want to get the background on this. You're a bass player. It's more or less, well, it's one of the things that you do. You've done that a lot, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, how is it? Again, I don't want to get all sexist on this, but like there aren't that many. There's more than there has ever been, but there aren't that many chick bass players. Like, What drew you to that specific instrument, or was it kind of like, hey, someone's got to play it, so you do it? Um, it's I was When I started, I was dating a guy who was playing in a cover band, and the bass player was a very large guy who would down like pitchers of beer and they played the exact same set list so i was content for a while to sit with the other wives and girlfriends and like cheer them on yay and then it started to get boring and as he would get drunk he was more and more unable to play so i took all of the songs and i remember being in my apartment and i got every single song that they played that last set and I put it on a, well, I put it on a cassette, right. and then I put it on a CD, or yeah, yeah. just kind of compiled them all together, and learned, bought a little pink Mustang bass, and um, sat and learned all of the songs. Because I had had, I was in musical theater in high school, and I, we've always had music around the house, and I took piano. And so I was like, yeah, I'll just kind of learn them, and showed my boyfriend, look what I can do. And he was like, that's cool. And so I would just wait until the bass player of the band got so drunk he couldn't play anymore and then volunteered one night and said, I can play the rest of the songs. And they were like, um, my at the time my boyfriend stood up and said, yeah, I've heard her, she can. Uh-huh. So I played out that last set and then it just kind of continued that way. Um, and and the bass player realized that he could get drunker faster. Oh, <laughs> So then he just... Decided to turn bass over to me completely because he always wanted to play guitar because everybody okay. always wants to play guitar. Yeah, yeah. And so then it was, it happened that uh, I was the bass player for this band and we went and played this, a show in Tucson, Arizona, and I got picked up for a tour and ended up spending three years on the road touring with a band. Um, did a lot of festivals in Germany and played through Europe and played in Paraguay. Yeah. Like we were the, um, you know, the only rock band that had ever toured, well, that had ever gone to some of these places in yeah. Paraguay. How interesting, because right away the first thought I think of is like, a lot of dudes would be threatened by that, but he went totally the other way. Like, oh, no, I mean, he's an incredible some... musician. He was just like, it was totally like, yeah, they were all really good guys, you know. And the, of course, the novelty aspect of it worked in their favor because yeah. when they would go, you know, go to a club... They'd be like, oh, you're the band with the chick bass player. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. And then the other instrument you're really known for is your voice. Yeah, very good singer, very natural voice. Um, were you singing background vocals at that point, you know, along with bass parts? Yeah, I've always, I mean, I, running, coming, running out the door, I was always okay. singing and playing bass. So it's never been a, something that had to be a learned skill. It was just like learn. Learn at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other funny thing is that, you know, when I've played bass in bands, I find it harder to play bass and sing than to play guitar and sing. 
because I feel like the bass, for me at least, I feel like I want to be more precise. Like I'm playing one note and it better be the right one in the right time and I'm trying to lock in with the drummer. So it's, I mean, it's, it's the hardest instrument for me to sing and play simultaneously is bass. Like I can play drums and sing, I can oh. play guitar and sing, <laughs> mandolin and sing, keyboards and sing, but bass and singing to me, like I don't know how you bass player singers do it. You know, it's just finding where that where the holes are in the tempo, and it also helps to play. I mean, I've been blessed to have played with incredible drummers that were just so skilled and and so talented, and it's been effortless playing with some of the people that I've been able to play with. You know, when the drummer's not on and when you're not locked in with them, then anything else is not going to sound right. right. So I've just, I mean, there's just been, I've been really lucky to have played with some of the, some great, great, great drummers. Bass is the glue that holds it all together. It's kind of a thankless instrument in a way. <laughs> I mean, what was that thing? It was bouncing around the internet a couple of weeks ago where this like groupie accidentally sleeps with the bass player. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, unless you're Sting or Jocko, (laughs) yeah, you know, and nobody wants to be the bass player. But I mean, I don't know. I dig it. It's if it's the ultimate support role because you're not getting the glory, but it really is so key. Like the people who are the guitarists who are wanking and doing their stuff, like they can't. Like remembering back that sock up we were telling you about that same band I had way back in high school. Like my very first gig. I love just, that you call it a sock hop. Well, that's what they called them back then. <laughs> that's such a Midwestern. It is a Midwestern, Midwestern thing. Yeah. Well, there, there were formal dances. Yeah, and there then was there like was turnabout sock. and prom and homecoming, and then with Sadie Hawkins, which was an informal uh, turnabout. But then all the rest of the dances, they just called them sock hops. Sock hops. It was like a vestigial leftover term. His vestigial's not the right word. It's a leftover term from the fifties or sixties. I don't know. I mean, we didn't actually take our shoes off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, uh, what were we? They even got me off track. Oh, about, about, about oh yeah, the bass player. Bass player. Like the very first gig we ever played was like a three-hour-long sock hop type gig, and you know I'd had this band like, and I was I was like pushing, like trying to get everyone to learn their parts, and we couldn't find a bass player again for you're the men- the reason you mentioned before. Everyone wanted to play guitar, so we had like six guitar players at our disposal, but no bass player. So I would. And since I was the leader, I would kind of cycle through like, okay, so you're going to play bass on these five songs. Because if you're a guitar player, you can kind of fake it on bass. And then this guy would play bass on these songs. And I wound up having to play bass on a few songs to like get through this gig because nobody would play bass. And then eventually we got the guy who spit blood. Yeah. And our problems were both solved. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and started all and over started again. started all over again with it for this totally different thing. Um, how about another tune here? We've got still just a great. few minutes left. We want to get a couple more tunes in before we go. What's this next one, Anna? This next one's called Ain't No Good and Goodbye. Ain't No Good and Goodbye. All right, let's hear this. Anna Marie Rosales on Independence Day. I've made some bad decisions And I regret the day I let you go yeah, I searched for something better But all I've come to find Is there ain't no good in goodbye Don't expect to be forgiven I neglected you, baby 
All good things don't have to pass. Lonely doesn't have to last. I've drowned in my pride in these tears that I've cried. Just look in my I won't pretend I didn't do you wrong It hurts we ain't together But that lesson took some time And there ain't no good in goodbye No, there ain't Ana Maria Rosales and another great song, Ain't No Good and Goodbye, this like country twangy stuff. You you come from El Paso, right? Yes. And so where did, does the country music, did that come from your folks, from your family, from the environment? Like where did this kind of Americana is kind of an oddball genre to get. It's like the people who, it's like urban country music almost. Yeah. I mean, we, El Paso is woefully behind the times, um, or was when I was growing up. And um, I rode horses, so there was a lot of country music and um, a lot of, you know, my parents are Mexican, I'm Mexican, so there was a lot of traditional Mexican music played. But, you know, when we would go out to go eat at a restaurant, it was country music, you know, like with the real uh, jukebox with the labels on it. And then, you know, your parents are there and everybody's hanging out. And so our big entertainment was to go to the jukebox with a handful of quarters and like just play music. And I got exposed to a lot of, I mean, unbeknownst to me, I was really exposed to a lot of country, like, you know, early traditional country. Um, And, you know, it was the 80s. It was the Reba McIntyre. And I listened to the Top 40 country radio show because we had it on in the car when we would go to church and when we would come back, it would be on, you know, in the car. So there was a lot of like, you know, um, that sort of stuff. And I think the we also had a lot of like old, you know, we call them slow jams. So it was like, you know, it was the Tommy James and Shondells and it was, you know, Marvin Gaye and we heard a lot of um, soul. And and so that's kind of in in my book as well because I was just exposed to it so much. You know, there was Sly and the Family Stone yeah. um, and that's always been... Um, a very comfortable place for me. And then, you know, playing in a cover band. Yeah. We played Rolling Stones and we played... Yeah. So it's, I've been kind of been all over the map. I'm not a studied musician, yeah. um, but studied enough, uh, like, you know, with the ear 
just to have heard all of that. And, you know, phrasing, phrasing is everything when you're singing. And if, and if you can be a not so good of a singer, but if you can phrase something really well, you can yeah. really sell it. And I mean, I've been lucky to have a, a the gift of a nice voice. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's like just really learning out how are they doing it and how what, why is that working better than if you would sing it a different way. Yeah, I think you're right about phrasing. You know, you think about a lot of singers um, who might not be the best singers in the world, but the way they phrase things are pleasing or unique or both. Yeah. Like David Byrne comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Very strange voice. Or Rick Ocasek from The Stars, or The, uh, the Cars, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what an oddball voice he has, but his phrasing is so is perfect. And he, and he, he, you know, he knows when to make it succinct. Right. And it just like, bam, it's just like a period at the end of something, just like yeah. the so door distinct. shutting. <laughs> so distinct. I'd say, you know, a, a great singer in his own right, in his own way, instantly identifiable. Oh, yeah. When you definitely. hear Rick it's great stuff. Um, and let's, you know, that you were talking just a minute ago, you mentioned like, you know, like the Motown type stacks type stuff. And you really hear that in that last song you just played, the 6 8 tune just a minute ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Ain't it's, no good it's and goodbye. And there's horn, I mean, the horns are incredible. And that's like, um, you know, it's a, it was a fun song to kind of bring into the album yeah. because it was this soul Memphis stacks sort of thing. And it's always fun to do something like that live. And, um, you know, the people have really enjoyed it. Haven't been able to play it with horns live, which would be great if I could. But um, for right now, it's just like me and keys. But uh, Carl Byron plays keys when I play live. And it's kind of, he kind of rounds it out when it's just the four of us. It's, yeah. Yeah. You if know. you do like a B3 kind of thing, you can kind of almost emulate horn parts in a way. Yeah. And he, and he really does a great job of doing that when we do play live. Yeah. Cause it's just, you know, it's just me, Rich, a drummer and Carl. So yeah. Cause you're playing bass when you, when you play your own music. I, I do play bass when I play my own music, when it's a full band. And then I play mandolin and guitar when we play a duo. It, uh, and it sure simplifies things trying to find a bass player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had to, you know, it's like tracking. I played bass on the whole album, and it was I had we had been doing so many duo shows that I had learned everything on guitar and mandolin, and then for the live shows, I was like, oh, I gotta go back and relearn all these songs, yeah, <laughs> you know, and sing them too yeah. in real time. We actually tracked the album live, so I did sing. I mean, mostly live. We we tracked the you know guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. While to a ghost vocal, so I mean it was pretty much done, and keys uh, to a ghost vocal, um, so it was it it was there live, and then I just came in and yeah, re yeah. resang over them. So it was played live and and recorded, you know, somewhat live. I love playing bass, man. I always try to talk to people like, hey, if your bass player ever doesn't show up, give me give me a call. I, love <laughs> I just it. got a new. I'm so proud of myself. I have had a bass rig from I like. 2000 i don't know like 2001 and i had it and played it and played it and played it and it's outdated and it was a heart key like oh yeah yeah you know aluminum cone and and dan janish love him to death but he hated my bass rig because i played with dan and um hated it hated it hated it so finally i got have gotten myself a new bass rig oh, what'd so. you get um, I got an Ampeg. Mm. So can't go wrong with an Ampeg. Can't go wrong with an Ampeg. You know, so, so um, real quick, this is kind of inside base baseball. Inside baseball. So lame. I'm totally lame today. I just lost like twenty coolness points with that. 
but uh, it came. It comes naturally. Um, what's your base of choice these days? This is inside baseball. Oh, I have a, I play a Fender Jazz. Okay. And um, well, I had a Fender Jazz for a while. I play a P now. Yeah. Um, and and I also have an Eastwood, a little hollow body. Oh, cool. That um, that's been mostly. I've played it live a while. Um. But it's a great recording bass. Yeah. It got flats on it and Yeah. And uh it's just this little beautiful little piece of wood and it's you know Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm like a P bass devotee, man. If oh it, really? The uh as far as I'm concerned, I tell this to people all the time to be when I want to be a bastard, is that uh uh the electric bass begins and ends with the fender precision bass. Well see, I, I was I showed up to rehearsals for a European tour with the band that I was playing with that was located out of Tucson and I had a hamer and it ah. it was a ha- it looked like a P bass and it was it sounded great it had a badass bridge on it had these great loud pickups on it and I took it out of the case and the leader of the band looked at me and said nope, nope. you're not taking it nope. and he went and found a Fender and bought a Fender and said, this is what you're taking on the road. So there are purists who oh, just yeah. have to have that one thing, even if it's slightly better sound. And, you know, it wasn't a crazy hammer. It didn't have a handle on it yeah, or anything. Yeah. It was. It looked like a P-Bass. But he was like, absolutely not. I yeah. will not have it. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very strict about my, <laughs> my, my P-Bass devotion, which is funny because I own a jazz because I got it at a pawn shop for almost nothing in college. But I, I wish it was a P. Well, case. I mean, it's all in the fingers, baby. It's not the racket, it's the balls, right? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I'm still sticking with my P. In any case, let's talk about one more thing, and this is a perfect segue, because before you mentioned being on tour, because you've done extensive touring, like internationally, which is something a lot of American musicians don't get a chance to do, because the states are so diverse, and there's 50 of them, and even getting to those 50 is a big challenge for a lot of people, even if they aren't playing music. So tell me real quick, uh, give me some road stories, like being in Paraguay or being over in Europe, or like how is it different and how did it affect you? It must have changed your life. Well, um, well Europe in general uh, was an amazing experience. I mean, we were the the band is signed to Blue Rose, which is a bigger label, and we did shows and festivals in Germany, and they just have this deep appreciation for the arts. They treat artists. I mean. They treat artists. It's a different level of how they do, how they appreciate what you're doing. Um, we we played in Germany and we played near the near the Polish border. And in in Western Germany, they teach English as a second language. Well, the far further east you get, it's Russian. And so these big burly guys would come to the shows and they would stand at the front of the stage with their arms crossed and like this scowl on their face. And I mean, like the whole show, they would just sit there with the scowl. And then after the show, we would be, I mean, literally the record company was like, you change and you get out to the merch table immediately. I mean, they they were really running a business. Right. And so, you know, we'd get out and these big burly guys that would come up and they didn't have enough English, but they were so excited. They're just, they'd come up to you and they have like four CDs that they bought and they sat in front of the stage the whole night and they just look at you and go... Rock and roll! <laughs> like they had nothing. They couldn't. They didn't have that the words. So cool. But it was great. It was great to be appreciated like that. It's it's a beautiful thing to be able to live to play music. Like the whole your whole being for that day 
is to play music. And that is a beautiful thing. And it's not something that everybody gets to experience. And it's such a, it, it is such a unique and wonderful thing. And you're exhausted. And after three weeks, you're just like, you know, yeah. you're, you, when you get there, if you have a really short tour, you never really get into the flow. But right. when you have a long tour, like the longest tour I did was about eight weeks. And it was just, you get, you got into this flow and the band is working like a machine. Right. And you never, like, all the rehearsing in the world will not do what two weeks or three weeks on the road can do for a band. Just that you you get into each other's business so much right. that you just you really get to gel as a band and you have that concentration. You're able to concentrate on that music for that long. Yeah. Which you don't get when you have to go to work and you have to figure out where the rehearsal you're going your next rehearsal is going to be but when you have those 3 or 4 weeks on the road and all you are doing is listening to each other you really get to listen to each other yeah and that doesn't happen all the time something magical does happen and there's scientific studies about this where people's brain waves literally lock up when they're playing music together yeah and i think the audience can sense that like there's stuff that we just don't understand as humans yet maybe someday we will maybe some maybe we never will but that's what live music is all about. It's all vibrations, whether it's brain waves or uh, the actual vibration of sound in the air. But that's a very special thing. And to yeah. do that for real in front of people, um, you know, and so I guess maybe in L.A., maybe we take it for granted sometimes. Maybe we don't. I don't know. Or maybe that's why we're all here. Yeah. And I always push like every band that I'm in, I'm like, yeah, we got to go on the road. And everybody's like, yeah. you're crazy. What are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, because of that, because yeah. of that one thing, I'm like, you really have to. Ex and I guess I'm just trying to push that experience on every band that I'm yeah. in. And, um, and I really like, you know, Rich and I, we go travel all the time and we do, we, we see a definite difference in how we play. And I, I just, I'm trying to gift that to every band that I play with. I'm like, you've got to go on the road. You yeah. have to see how different it is. And they're like, no, oh, I can't make that much of a difference. I'm like, no, it really does. Yeah. It really does. It brings a band so much better. You get so much better. Yeah. And bringing your music to other people in a, different, a completely different environment you know, changes as an effect on you and effect on them too. You, know, you go to a place, like you were saying, like this Germany thing where they're kind of or maybe, I don't know, there's places in the middle, the flyover states, they're going to hate me for saying that, but where they're kind of starved, or even little rinky-dink towns in California, or Arizona, New Mexico, whatever, where they're kind of starved for music. They've got the same guy who shows up and plays every night, and somebody new comes in. Oh, we played it uh, around Thanksgiving. We played my friend Jaffe. You say it like a southerner. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Um, we Instead played Thanksgiving. in this little bar in La Mesa, New Mexico. And, it, you know, I have a friend that I used to play in a band with who lives out. He has this, like, ancient hacienda that was passed down in his family. And he plays in La Mesa, and he plays in this little, you know, it's basically a beer joint, and they have Mexican food. And he was like, come down, you know, have you do a couple songs. Well, we went down there, and Rich and I played, and they were the best i can't i can't it was like a the best show that i had played in a while they were so into it and it was just me doing these songs and it was like yeah. oh it's bob's country bunker yeah i mean basically and it, it was and it was it was called chopies and they had the hottest yeah. mexican food ever i couldn't even Ooh. eat some of it rich choked down like enchiladas oh I, it's I amazing love, love the but they the crowd you know they don't get that and they and they love Jaffe they know him and he's a great player yeah and but it was just this little different thing that 
came to them and they were just so into it and they bought CDs and they were yeah. all about it. So I want to talk about those Russians real quick and then we got to play the last song. Oh, we, sure. We're, we're about out of time here. But I love that whole thing. You're like Russians, they don't smile because to, if you if you walk down the street smiling in Russia, that means you're a crazy person. <laughs> Well, they were these were Germans, but okay. their second well, right, but, language was they right, were right but there. But on the eastern side, they're influenced by that culture. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing where the Russians like you think they're you, they're standing there like you said with their arms crossed. You think they're going to kill you. Yeah, when you come off stage, but they just don't show emotions like Americans. We're very effusive and ebullient, and we're like out there and hey, everybody talking loud, and, <laughs> you know, making a big scene everywhere. You know, it's one thing when you travel as a musician. I think you learn to tread a little more lightly. You know, you see the way, I mean, I did. I was just in Switzerland last summer, and I saw the way, like, I saw the ugly American yelling oh, at gosh. this Swiss guy. And I that's think, the I, worst. I'm not a violent man, but there's a part of me that wanted to go up and, like, punch him right in the neck. Shut up. Yeah. You are ruining it for everyone. Everybody. <laughs> Don't do this, man, because we're not all like this. Yeah. Anyway. And we just, like, you know, Paraguay was great. We, we had these, um, like, these shows, and they literally had to climb... Um, electric poles and they they got jumper cables to run the power That's from the stage cool. and then and then they I, i'm watching them do this and then they come down they go are you ready to check the mic and i'm like i'm not checking that mic man you're checking the mic so he came and did that and we played stand in this bucket of water <laughs> yeah. and check this microphone and we played uh, you know on a soccer field and we were pulling so much power from the town that the whole town, the rest of the town went dark. Wow. Because that's the PA was pulling so much power. And so all the, there were a bunch of little kids. They came from all, you know, all of the villages. This is up in the mountains in Paraguay. And um, all these kids came because there wasn't any power. So they were coming to the rock show. Right. And we played outside and it was, you know, on a flatbed stage basically. And we had these balls of um, soccer, we had bags of soccer balls. And the last, um, the last song of the set, like the the guy who's uh, Rich Hopkins, whose band it was, he just started. Kick we started kicking him out to the kids. They were hysterical. They had it was like rock and roll and loud, and there's no lights, and this show is the only thing. And then they get free soccer balls, and this meant everything to them. This is Paraguay, or yeah, Uruguay? this was in Paraguay. I'm touring in Paraguay. Oh man, that is the it most was, rock and roll thing I've ever. It heard. was the coolest. You shut thing. down the whole town. We shut down, and but I mean, this is a mountain village. And the funny thing was when we, you were ta we were talking earlier about like kind of this misogynist idea. So we show up, and they have these dirt bikes, and they're sitting like around where we we're sitting um, all together with our hosts. And um, one of the guys in the band goes, "Hey, can I ride one of those mountain bikes?" And they were, you know, the little uh, motorcycles, right? And so. They're like, yeah, go ahead, take it. Well, let's. We call for Freddie for some fuel. So Freddie went to go get gasoline in a milk container and poured gasoline from the milk container into yeah, yeah. the thing. So our 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 guitar player takes off on one of the motorcycles, and then the drummer takes off the motorcycle and then brings them back. And I start getting on the motorcycle, and they're like, "What?" They're like, yeah. "Hold on, what?" And then they're like. You better ride side saddle, young lady. So yeah, so, so basically, I took off on this motorcycle, and they were like, you know, totally like, what the hell's going on? Why is this girl on a motorcycle? But we, we were just having fun. We yeah. were, but it's just silly, it's silly stuff. But afterwards, it was really worth it. That that yeah. whole experience was amazing. I like I said, I'm touring there next week. In any case, we've got about enough time for one more song, Anna. What's this going to be? This is a um, an Everly Brothers. Well, it's a it's a cover. 
and is called Who's to Be the One. All right. One last time, Ana Maria Rosales on Independence Day. Who's to be here by my side when I'm all to be here to sympathize who's to be the one who's to make my dreams come true when my sleep is done who's to keep me from being blue Who's to be the one Who's to share my heartaches Who's to calm my fears When the world has hurt me Who will share my by my hand and say their love I've won Who's to help me understand Who's to be the one Who's to be the one So, Anna, thank you so much. That's another great song. Thank oh, you for thank coming you, out. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule as a musician and as a mom and as a person in the 21st century <laughs> doing whatever, whatever it is that you do over there in the, in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, thank you so oh, much. Oh, no, thank you so much. It's been it fantastic a... getting to know you a little better, and I promise the next time I see you, maybe it'll be at your pool party, I'll make you some Rotel cheese dip. Oh, thank you so There's much. There's really only one secret to them. Well, it's, I don't want to give away all the secrets, but you just got to put boatloads of fresh jalapenos and serranos in it is the oh, key. Oh, that's it. You know, which, you know, I brush my teeth with those things. So oh, man. You got to put the gloves on when you cut those things. You do. My girlfriend was just complaining the other day. She's like, every time I make something with those, I get it on my eyes and stuff. I'm like, well, you got to wash your hands, baby. She said, I did five times. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like some people are really sensitive to it. You got to get the gloves, yeah. man. I think my DNA is actually completed by <laughs> that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm cut from different cloth. Uh, so anyway, thank you so much for coming out. I appreciate it thank so much. You, Great Joe. music. And uh, people can drop by your website, AnnaMariaRosales.com. Also, Facebook.com slash music. And you're not on the Twitter, but maybe someday. We'll see. Maybe someday. Buy, their, buy her record. It's good. Good stuff. It's called Washed Up on Your Shore. So thank you to Anna Maria Rosales and Rich McCulley. Also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The convivial Tony Tonloke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything this week, please be good to one another.